feel like you're making things too complicated in your homeschool? Or do you fear that the chaos and turmoil that you feel internally is impacting your children? Well then, today's podcast is for you. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, I'll be chatting with Jennifer Pepito of The Peaceful Press. Jennifer is a mom of seven who has a ton of wisdom and experience to pass along. She's also the author of Homeschool Resources with a Charlotte Mason flair to them, and she has a new book coming out within the next year. Today, Jennifer will be talking about simplifying your homeschool, and I know you'll not only be encouraged, but you'll also get some incredibly practical tips and insights as well. Before we dive into my conversation with Jennifer, though, I wanted to tell you about our Heart School class. I wrote Heart School to help parents like you get more clarity about what God has actually called you to do, and then to see how you can find a lot of peace for your own heart and for your family by allowing the vision that God's given you to guide your decisions. The Clarity Heart School will provide will help you remove friction in your relationships. It'll give confidence that you're doing what is best and that you can do it well. It'll bring clarity, peace, and structure to your days, and it's going to help guide everyday decisions with your vision in mind. I sincerely believe that every homeschool family, whether you're just starting out or whether you've been homeschooling for a long time, will benefit from Heart School. So we're offering $60 off that class until July 19th with discount code PODCAST. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash hard school to learn more and save $60 with discount code podcast. So now without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Jennifer Pepito. excited to have Jennifer Pepito joining us today. Jennifer is one of those people that from the first time that I actually got on the phone with her, my heart was just absolutely knit. Um, Just feel like we could sit and talk for hours. And so Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be on the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, you are very welcome. And I think you're planning to come back and join us again next season, aren't you, for, for Teach Them Diligently events? Yes, I'm super excited. It's on the calendar. That's going to be awesome. Well, I know that you were a big hit in Round Rock this year, so we are very excited to have you back. Before we dive in, we're going to be talking today about simplifying homeschool and really kind of the the fear that we as moms tend to have about, are we making it too complicated? Are we, you know, doubts plague us all the time. But can you tell us a little bit about your homeschool story? Because you started a company called The Peaceful Press. So I have a feeling that simplifying homeschool was always kind of in the back of your mind as you were, as you were cutting your teeth on this, this endeavor. 100% Leslie and partly what I believe about peace is not that we're just these like happy hippies who never have any problems and it's all calm all the time because that's not the case when you're homeschooling or when you're caring for babies. I have seven children so I've been I've been in that season of having a child crying and having a toddler whining for food and having to try and help someone decipher a math problem. 
that doesn't necessarily on the surface evoke peace. But when you know the meaning of peace, which is shalom, and it, it signifies wholeness or having nothing missing and nothing broken, you realize that even in homeschooling, there can be peace. And I think that one of the reasons why this is so important and why it's so important that we simplify our homeschool is that if our children see us constantly on edge and constantly in fear and all up in our heads and all distressed about what we're doing, they're not really getting a good picture of what heaven is like, what their heavenly father is like. And we as moms and dads, we're representatives in so many ways of God on this earth because we are their first authority figure. And so, you know, developing a home life that where we might lose it sometimes, we might struggle, but we know who to go to to get mm-hmm. our peace. And and also we're working towards the kind of simplicity of our life, the margin, the essentialism that helps us avoid those meltdowns. Oh, that is so true. I love I, I love the way that you made the point to draw our attention back to what we are presenting to our children, because I think that that sometimes part of what gets us all conflicted is we know that that we're missing the mark. We know that we've put stuff in that shouldn't be. And so we're all frazzled and, but we don't even see our way out of it and kind of stepping back and recognizing, wait a minute, what I'm doing and what how I am presenting all of this to my children is actually making an impact on them spiritually even uh, because I am presenting, you know, this God of order in a very disorderly, discombobulated, frazzled way um, is, is just really, really important for us parents to keep in mind. And I think it will help us refine our vision of what we actually need and don't need and should do and shouldn't do, just recognizing that we are making an impression on our kids with every bit of it. We are. And, you know, there's no way that we're going to reach perfection. We wouldn't need Jesus if we could. Mm. But I think that when we have something that we're working towards and we have a vision of what things could be like, then and we know where to go when we fall short of that vision, we can do something better than just kind of letting the waves of the world carry us along. You know, it doesn't have to, we're, we're not going to be perfect on this earth, but we can have a goal to shoot for. And one of my goals for my own family is that we have a peaceful atmosphere that, um, that relationships matter over schedules or things. Um, and that we we're not living in fear that we're living in a boldness that we can say, you know what, I'm going to be different than the, than what other people are doing. Our priorities are going to be different because that's more peaceful for our family. Absolutely. And I love how you you noted your vision, your vision for your family, your vision for what you're doing, because I think that's where a lot of people kind of get off the tracks a little bit because they don't start with a vision. They just kind of start going. And if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, David and I have talked about this um, in previous podcasts. If you don't have those things in place, then you really don't have anything to guide what you're doing day in and day out. So a lot of chaos and a lot of frustration follow that. I agree. Actually, one of the free downloads on my website is a a vision planner for families. Because when I just had three really young children, the, the third was a baby, we wrote down a family vision. We wrote down some guiding verses. We wrote down some of our guiding values. And that has carried us through, you know, I'm on, I'm heading on my 25th year of homeschooling. I've got a you know 28 year old down to a 12 year old, but having written down a vision has really helped us mm. prioritize through the whole 
long road of parenting and family life. You know, what because we valued, you know, worship and missions and simple living and being debt free, we've we've been able to say no to a lot of things that that other people wouldn't say no to because that's not their vision necessarily. And it's okay if our vision's different than other people, but it's I'm less easily distracted by other people's accomplishments or the things that other people are doing because our own vision is so clear. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's kind of park there for just a second because you noted a few reasons why having a vision is so important and how it kind of streamlines what you're doing, gives clarity, helps you make decisions, helps you not be distracted by other people's accomplishments or what they're doing or or, or things like that. But but what else would you say is really impactful for for first of all, for the mom, for the the because I know I am impacted greatly when there is chaos and I feel like things are too cluttered or too complicated. But beyond just me, my children have always been really impacted when things are too complicated or too chaotic or or whatever. So, what are some of the impacts really of of kind of going the non peaceful way? Uh, you know, kind of the the negatives of not simplifying of of really allowing that chaos to rule. Yeah, I think that, you know, the lack of margin in our lives is what contributes to a lot of behavior problems, both in us and our children. You know, the times when I had a meltdown and yelled at my kids or when my kids were having meltdowns were often associated with being too busy. And especially in the early years when your kids can't all get themselves dressed and get in the car (laughs) on their own, it's so important to just say no to most things. Nothing is going to really... there's going to be no great loss. You know, if you're, if your four-year-old's not in ballet or little league, if you're, um, if you only do one activity per season, there's going to be no great loss to your family, but there will be loss if your children become embittered towards you because you're shouting at them all the time to get in the car or get dressed or find your shoes. And, and, you know, so often this isn't us trying to be mean or something. This is just too much busyness with too many responsibilities and not enough time to rest or to pray or to just collect our thoughts even. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I would tack on to that, we found, because we were also ones that were very, very careful with what we did and, you know, what we allowed everyone to be involved in. When you have multiple children, I think you kind of have to be, you know, when you have several. Um, But we were very careful, even when they were young, to help them understand the whys behind that. It wasn't just recreational no's. It was everything from the mission of our family, the vision of our family, like you were talking about, to this is your opportunity to serve your sister by letting her have a turn or whatever. You were able to use those no's actually as great teaching times to to help your children kind of evolve and grow into young men and women who care about others too. Right, 100%. And also, I, I think we underestimate the value of just being home and reading books mm-hmm. together or you know, growing a garden together. There there are so many great things that children are learning in simple activities. It doesn't always have to be a class or some extra thing. Right, right. Well, I think that there were probably some people out there listening right now that simple seems so far-fetched. You know, they grew up very, very busy. All they've ever known is busy. They find their fulfillment in busy. Um, and so can you help us to understand what exactly does simple, simplifying homeschool, simplifying your life as a family, following that vision, what does that look like? I think for one thing, it's important to 
really understand what children need educationally, because I think part of the lack of simplicity is having that fear that you're not doing enough. And then you Mm -hmm. keep adding on more and more stuff until, you know, you have these meltdowns at the end of the day because people are tired. And, you know, when you, like, I just read the book In Vital Harmony by Karen Glass, and it's about a Charlotte Mason education. And it's just kind of boiling down the actual key things that children need. And it's basically reading great books, talking about them, writing down what you learned, doing some math and and having those books be across a wide breadth of information, you know, reading a nature book, reading a government book, reading a, uh, a biography, reading a great piece of literature. So, you know, homeschooling can be really simple. It doesn't, you don't have to have all these workbooks and worksheets and hours and hours of schooling. You can do it in a few hours a day, and then there can be time to get the chores done together and maybe, you know, go to the park for a while or go play outside or have a friend over. But I think when we let fear drive us in our homeschooling mm. and we keep piling on more and more work because we're afraid we're going to miss something, that's when, you know, destruction can happen and maybe not even destruction, maybe just a weary weariness. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I, you know, I'm really confident about this. Like I, I have five kids graduated from my high school two have gotten college degrees and they're doing great academically they Hmm. are doing great in their jobs they're figuring out life despite the fact that I didn't pile on worksheets that that often we were skipping days of school because we were missionaries or we were having a baby or we were moving to a new house so their schooling wasn't this like perfect classical education but we read a lot of books we talked a lot and they knew how to work and they've been able to become responsible adults who love Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I actually did a video with my kids. I've got three that have graduated now. And for our 365 membership site, I let the, the moms ask questions and my kids were so gracious to answer them, but several of them were about being prepared. And just like you, we always were very missional. And there were a lot of times when the mission of what God's called our family to do kind of took us away from sitting down at desks and doing school as you would expect us to do school um, for, for parentheses of time. And I lived with that fear all the way through. Am I doing enough? Are the kids, are there gaps? All of these things that plague, I think, probably every single homeschool mom out there. Um, but but their insight, now that they're in college, was so interesting because they talked about how much more prepared they felt because, first of all, we've discussed so many different things. So they're very comfortable in discussions, but they also know how to find information. If there's something that they don't know, they know how to get it. So we're actually training our children to be able to teach themselves through this daily life, this conversation, doing things very naturally and intentionally. And that was really encouraging to me as a mom that's graduated some. And I hope, I wish somebody would have told me that, you know, uh, when I was going into middle school with them all and I was so afraid I was missing the mark on everything. Yeah. And I, I think that it's wonderful that we have that perspective because like with my Peaceful Press elementary resources, a lot of what we do is just read beautiful books, write mm-hmm. notebook pages or narrations about them, and then add in some math and, you know, maybe a grammar resource or a spelling resource, but not everything all at once. And sometimes that's hard for moms to feel like they're doing enough when they're doing a simpler homeschool schedule. Right. And yet what 
the benefit of that is that you have children who have time to go pick up a book on their own and read it or act out some of what they've read or try a new recipe or start a business. There's so many benefits to giving our children a little bit of their own time to wonder and think and question and process what they've learned. Oh, absolutely. How big of a factor do you think peer pressure is for homeschool moms in kind of in this, what we do, how much we do, that kind of thing? Um, How much do you think our lives are actually driven by what we think other people expect of us? I I think they probably, it probably does play a part. Um, You know, it's interesting, my family, there's five children in my, uh, my parents' family, and all of us homeschooled our kids. So I didn't have peer pressure from the cousins. Um, you know, my in-laws at first were a little bit skeptical, but then they were 100% on board. Because I think that more often the peer pressure comes from grandparents who are looking over people's shoulders. Yeah. Or maybe a family member, a sister or something who's questioning, you know, why why isn't your child reading yet? But if you look at studies children learn to read between ages six to 10. You know, there's a wide range of when it's appropriate to learn to read and developmentally normal. And, and, and I think that the real tragedy in American public schools is that more and more children are getting medicated to get through school and getting labeled early on, which I mean, in so many ways can destroy their whole lives. Whereas if you can push off that peer pressure and, and let your child develop you know, if there, if you have, if there are real signs of a disability, check that out, but not let people put pressure on you that, you know, oh, my kindergartner has to be reading and writing essays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that you noted a minute ago about your mom or your mother-in-law or, you know, your sister or whoever's kind of looking over your shoulder and, and questioning what you're doing and how you're handling it. One of the things that God has really impressed on me, and I, I do like to share this with people, is as we're interacting with those that question, and there's going to be a lot of, of very close people to us that question, because their experience was so different than what we're offering our children. It kind of blows their mind sometimes if they didn't come from a homeschool background or if they've never been exposed to it before. And so, you know, kind of stepping back, recognizing where they're coming from, but also recognizing that they're coming in, generally speaking, with a love for your children. They really want what's best for your children too, even though, you know, maybe there's a little bit of frustration in you and how they approach it. Um, But it really helped me a lot just remembering, kind of recognizing, you know, she doesn't get it yet. So, and there, and I will tell you those that are just starting, there's proof in the pudding. As you get farther down the road, I think that you'll find um, that those questions kind of lessen a little bit. But first of all, they don't get it. And then secondly, a lot of times they're just genuinely concerned because they love your children and and positioning their questions in that way will help you in your response to them as well, which tends to lend to more peace in those relationships too. Yes. And it's interesting because I think, you know, it does take quite a bit of fearlessness to mm-hmm. choose an alternate route with education, you know, because most kids in regular schools, I mean, they had kids on like kindergartners on Zoom calls for a full school day last year. It's like what most kids are being asked to do is way beyond what they're developmentally ready for. And we don't necessarily even know the results of that because some of this is a fairly new experiment. I mean, when I was, I didn't even go to kindergartner or kindergarten. And, and when my kids were kindergarten age, the older ones, it was, it was still 
copy and paste. I mean, and, mm-hmm. you know, cut things out and glue things and play with Play-Doh. And now it's learning to read in kindergarten. So things have changed a lot. We don't necessarily know the long-term effects of that, but it's not that you're wasting the early years. A lot of a lot is going in, you know, in the um, Peaceful Press kindergarten and preschool resources. We do a lot of fine and large motor work because children, modern children aren't necessarily getting enough of that because they're often on phones or kind of in less sensory tactile environments because maybe they're, they're overwatched sometimes. Hmm. And so, you know, they, some of these things are not necessarily naturally developing and we include those activities because those are the, the building blocks of being able to read and write. Like if you can't put some beads on a string, you're going to have a hard time tracing letters across a page. If you can't listen to a story and act out the story, you're going to have a hard time processing a teacher's lecture in college. So a lot of these skills that might seem like play and you, you know, people might look at our kids and say, oh, they're, they're delayed. Well, they might seem delayed in kindergarten, but then surpass kids later on. And I've, I've read a few studies that are talking about how children are coming out of school with no ideas. Like I just talked to a a woman who's a, a curriculum writer. She's been a teacher. She said, you can give a student a question, you know, junior high, almost through the whole ages of school, ask them, write about your summer, write about, you know, basically give them a prompt for a story. Hardly any children can come up with original thoughts. I hope that she was exaggerating, but I think that's the cost when we push worksheets and trying to keep up with the Joneses in the early years, instead of putting in the stories putting in the fine and large motor skills so that they have this wealth of experience and ideas and thoughts to build a life on. Yeah. Amen. One of the things that I'm most appreciative of kind of conceptually with homeschooling is how natural it really is. It truly is an overflow of parenting and interacting with your children, especially in those young ages. And when we try to make it way more complicated than that, our kids miss out on so, so much. Right. Cause you don't, we don't realize how much, you know, science goes into baking a loaf of bread or planting a garden or putting hmm. together an Ikea bookshelf. Do you know what I mean? There's so many things that we do that actually <laughs> have a lot of processing opportunities and opportunities to read directions, follow directions, and they don't necessarily look like school. And so you know, when we think about attendance, even, I mean, I'm very generous with the attendance records because we're always learning, right. we're always, you know, my son's on his summer break and he's learning how to do, put together videos and learning how to uh, explode pop cans or, you know, there, there's always yep. some science, some chemistry, something they're excited about learning, even oh, if they're not teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you think is the, the overflow of of really having a vision, simplifying, letting that vision guide, how does that overflow into the relationships within your family? You know, I think that because relationships are high on the priority list, as opposed to having a fancy house or um, doing a lot of shopping, there are things that we've said no to, because I really want to be able to sit on the patio and just talk as a family. Hmm. And so I think that that you know, it has resulted in closer relationships between siblings, between parents. It's resulted in closer relationships even between grandparents because we do take time to sit and visit because we've said no to other things. And right. I think 
you know, for us, relationship is the main thing. You know, it's interesting in um, the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, the work had to get done, but Mary chose relationship. And I, I really want to model that for my kids, even though it is hard when you're running a household and um, maybe for some of us, even running a business, but uh, because we've said no to a lot of things, we have been able to prioritize relationship. Well, and I think that when you prioritize relationships, your kids actually really know that too. My children, even though we've been busy, even though you know there's always something going on and with teach them diligently, the Lord has expanded the platform to where I could, I could literally be interacting with people pretty much all the time, but the kids know that they are first priority. There's like no insecurity there um, because of a, a line in the sand that was drawn a long time ago, that this is the priority. And you are, you know, you are the ones that God called us to first and foremost. And that that has a lot of weight with our kids. Absolutely. Yeah, they, for they sure. See, yeah. Yeah. Well, I wanted, before we, we run out of time here, I wanted to talk because I have a copy of your homeschool planner and this goes right into simplifying homeschool because there's something that I really love about your planner and that is it is designed with so little for me to do in it. It's very streamlined and lots of white space. And you don't ask me to fill in all kinds of stuff. What was the thought process behind the way that you designed this planner? And maybe you can tell us a little bit more about it because I really, the fact that a, a month is like, you know, six pages and there, you know, there's, it's just really, it's like a breath of fresh air just to look at it. Well, and I, I can't stand empty boxes. Like for a long time, I used a homeschool <laughs> planner that had a box for like every subject and every day. Yes. And then, and then, I if I, and then if I didn't fill it out, I would be like, well, did I, was, am I guilty of something? Did I miss something? And so my planner has a place to write down what you're thankful for and maybe a verse or a word for the week. Um, It has a box for school, home, and work, so you can write down lists of tasks or objectives for the week in those three areas. It has space for menu planning for the week, and then it has a Sunday through Saturday at a glance. And in those boxes, I basically write a schedule for the day and also a to-do list for the day. So I take the core things off of the um, school, home, and work. And I also take time at the beginning of the month to write down some family goals in those different areas mm-hmm. so that as I'm planning out my weeks, I'm looking back at the plan for the month and looking back at the plan for the year. So, and, you know, with the Peaceful Press, our homeschool lesson plans are very simple. Like it includes art and poetry and Bible and reading, and there's space in there to write down what you did for math and uh, language arts. So if people are using that curriculum, they don't necessarily need, you know, a daily curriculum plan anyhow. And what I've done for the last several years with using that is I have my homeschool plan, which is my precious people are peaceful, um, the peaceful preschool, playful pioneers, kind kingdom. So that's my core homeschool plan. Then I'll add a book list and a, and basically a checkoff chart for my kids. So they'll each get a book list of books they need to read and a checkoff chart with the subjects they need to cover every day. Um, and then, so my my weeks are more kind of priorities, like chapter one through right. 
this of this book and we're going to do lesson one through five in our math book, whatever it might be. So yeah. instead of trying to over plan, but I did in the, in the update, it does include like a monthly student schedule. If families want to be more specific and write down a subject and a, you know what they're doing every day. But I did, I did start to struggle with homeschool planners with too much space because I, I, I have a hard time leaving empty space, but I didn't have time to be writing, you know, be making up things because you don't have to do every subject every day. Right. Most of us do more of a loop where we maybe do Bible and reading and math every day, but we do grammar one day and spelling another day, et cetera. Right, right. Well, and and one of the things that's always been frustrating to me is when you're driven by your vision and the mission of what God's called you to do, there are a lot of detours that you may find in your day that are right in line with your vision and your mission, but they're not going to fit on a homeschool planner. And so if when I would get too detailed in, in what I wanted to accomplish for my children every single day, you know, page one through seven and blah, 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 got really, really in the minutia of it. I stayed frustrated because that meant that those detours that I was taking, that pulling on the thread of something that really interests them or the heart conversation that really needed to be had was at that point, a disruption to my plan rather than part of my mission. And, um, so I would really encourage everyone to get that mission, that vision of what you're doing, and then allow your priorities to come up under that. Right. And and a lot of things at this point in my life have become a habit. So I don't necessarily have to put mm -hmm. them on my on my list. Like, for instance, morning time. Every day we do morning time. We read the Bible. We read a literature selection. And we usually read a history and or a nature a chapter or section. And so I might write on my planner morning time, but everything that I'm going to read is already in the basket. I don't right. necessarily have to write down exactly which chapters and which books I'm going to read. Right. And for, like you alluded to before, for a lot of the the resources that most of us are using, there's already kind of a, a path, a plan laid out for you. So you're able to follow along that without moving it over in detail as well. So there there are a lot of ways that you can get around that to have a a guide for what you're going to do in a day without the pressure of very very specific things that can again like you noted make you feel guilty or make you feel like you're missing something um when you're actually staying on mission and and interacting with your children in a way that's growing them more than probably, you know, an extra math lesson that day would have anyway. Yeah, I think that's so good. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of power in just having daily habits instead of having to plan out, right. you know, exactly, like you said, which lesson or which chapter you're going to read, have a daily habit that every day we'll read our Bible, we'll write in our journal, we'll read something, we'll write something, we'll do some math. If there's sort of a flow like that, and it's a healthy mm -hmm. habit and rhythm, then then sometimes there could be a little bit of free choice in what your children are reading. You know, we we I just made up an ancient history, world history book list for my seventh and ninth graders. And I'm not going to necessarily tell them which book to read when or. Yeah. But I there's a list they can choose from the list. There's some they get to take some initiative in their own learning. And uh, I don't have to manage as tightly as I would if I'm like, OK, did you read chapter one today? Right. Well, and the beauty of kind of those habits that you were talking about, we had a daily five when the kids were young. And 
you know, by stressing that daily five, which was, you know, your devotions, your Bible reading time. And I mean, it started out with everything from brushing your teeth and making, you know, you kind of change that as they, as they um, get a habit, you kind of expand on it. But, but as you're building those habits, they become very much part of their DNA. So those things that you really want to see in your children start early with building those habits in, in not a, not a threatening way. I, I don't even know exactly how to, to say it. It's it's a rhythmical way. It's something where you're encouraging and you're building this in them while they're young so that as they grow, they can expand on them too. And that plays over into how well you're doing your school day. Right. And I think that that's one of the costs. If we spend too much time, you know, I think sometimes homeschool moms, we love planning. We get so mm-hmm. into planning. And meanwhile, nobody's teaching the kids anything. So right. we're taking all our time planning. So, you know, if we can get simplify enough where, you know, we focus on good habits, we we have a, a structure, but we don't over plan and, and then either end up feeling like we've fallen short or squandering time that could better be spent just reading and talking to our kids. Right, right. I love that. I love that. Well, Jennifer, we are just about out of time. But before we go, I want to make sure that you tell everybody um, where they can find you. I'll, I'll be sure to include some links in the show notes, but but tell them anything that, that they would need to know to start interacting with you, because I'm sure they're going to want to follow up. Yeah, we, I have a, an email that goes out once a week. So you can sign up at thepeacefulpress.com. And I share tips on homeschooling and life and book lists. You can download free history book lists from my website. We have samples of our curriculum. And I also have a free planning download. It has a loop schedule, a daily schedule. So there's lots of resources there on the website. I'm also active on Instagram at The Peaceful Press and also at Jennifer Pepito. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so, so much for joining us today. This has been just a joy as I knew it would be, but really, really helpful. You shared a lot of practical things that I think will be really, really beneficial as we're looking forward to starting a new homeschool year soon. I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me today. It's been lovely. You are very welcome. And everybody else, thank you all for joining us today as well. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.